You guys can go ahead and be seated. We are starting off a little mini-series uh, that, that is something that I, I touched into a couple weeks back, and as I preached that, I was like, oh, that's spicy. Like, I want some more of that. I need a little bit more of that in my heart, in my life, in my mind, in our church. And so today, we're, we're going to dive into that, and, and the series is, is called The Right Fight. The Right Fight. Because there are fights going on all over the place, right? Uh, I mean, they're happening, whether we want to acknowledge them or not. And one of the questions that I've got for myself, one of the questions I've got for you, is are you in the right fight? And in fighting, boxing, wrestling, UFC, like all, all these different ways, martial arts, they, it's interesting to look at because they all have very different styles. And even guys within the same discipline, the same area, just even for box, boxing as an example, Boxers have very different styles. Some guys like to go all in and go fast and furious. Some guys wait around for the last rounds and are just running from their opponent until then. Some guys like uppercuts. Some guys like jabs. Very different styles, and, and they're all fighting for something. Some of them, you can tell, fighting is like a pride thing. Like they, they would do this if they didn't get paid any money. They just love it. Some of them are in it for the paycheck, and the paycheck in a lot of those places is very good, and, and that's why they fight. And Today, uh, you know, when, when I think of fighting, we, we didn't have videos of fighting um, accessible to us uh, back when I was in high school when the same way that we do now. And, and so most of the fights that we saw, if you're my age or older, were fights that were like in the parking lot. Like, and, and I saw this online and I just had to share this with you because I thought it was funny. It was a church sign that went up and um, Jesus, six o'clock parking lot. <laughs> I, I saw someone posted that online and said, I don't want to scare anyone, but it looks like this church just challenged Jesus to a fight. And, and that, that's like the, the context. We, we think of like parking lots. We, we think of those things because fights do happen all over the place. And I think that as we get in today, I, I want to say, I understand there's fights that happen within the church. And I want to acknowledge that there are things that are worth fighting about, not just physically, not, not about protecting someone, but there's things that our heart, that, that our mind, that, that debate that should happen, and, but I want to make sure that we're pouring ourselves into the right ones. And so today we're going to look at, at a passage that's kind of the overarching passage, but we're going to look into some very specific ones, and, and this is the Apostle Paul speaking to Timothy, and he's writing, and he's kind of just wrapping up and, and, and saying, you know, I, I've done what I've needed to do, and he compares the way that he led, the way that he lived his life, the way that he was leading the church. He, he uses this terminology. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, Paul, why are you describing leading the church, planting churches, spreading the gospel as a fight? shouldn't it be just a joy? Shouldn't it just be a privilege? I mean, you need to read into the fact that he is describing this as a fight, and throughout his teachings, he talks about the struggle, he compares it to athletics, he compares it to wrestling, to boxing, to the Olympic-type sports that they would play in that day. He compares it to this struggle that we would feel and that we would have to work out, and he's saying, I've fought the good fight, and my concern is, are we fighting a fight that is like the good one that he fought? Or are we fighting fights that we're going to look back on and say, I wish I hadn't invested so much of my heart and my mind and my time into that. I think Jesus, you know, the church was trying to pick a fight with Jesus, so it looked. I think Jesus might want to pick a fight with us about the things that we fight about. 
I think he would have very corrective words. And when you look at the times that he was the most harsh, it was on the people who felt like they, they had it together religiously. And so much of the church, I'm afraid that we get misdirected into the things that don't really matter. And I want to call our attention back towards the things that we should be engaging with, with our heart, with our energy, with our time, with our thoughts, with our prayers, with our finances. I, I want to I fight the right fight so that when we get the, towards the end of our life and we look at handing the baton off to the next generation of leaders, to our children, to people that we invested in, that we can look at them and with confidence say, I fought the right fights. I fought the good fight. I, I was striving and I didn't leave the faith when it got difficult. That's what I want for us. And so I'm going to talk about a couple areas of the fight that we're, we're going to be fighting. And the, the first way to know that we're in the right fight is that we have, to, we have to have the right spot. You know, back in high school, it was the parking lots. That were, is where it would always go down. But when it comes to the things that deserve our heart's attention in an important way, we, we kind of first think, okay, well, the place, the right place to figure out, you know, about how we're supposed to be fighting and living out this faith is the church. Well, I mean, yes, like this is a point where we gather together to celebrate and we get some encouragement, but the whole point of gathering together at the church is so that we take whatever we have here out there. And so the place, as we talk about where we're supposed to be living this life, it's not just here. And we get into this segmented mentality that is so natural to us. And man, I saw it from the time that my kids were even really little, that they learn how to segment their behavior and their actions. I mean, specifically, I have this great memory of my daughter, Ella. She, she was just about two years old. She was an early talker. And so she, she was just already chatting up about everything. And so the way that we as new parents decided to navigate teaching a child how to act properly was instead of doing the counting thing, which is if you do the counting thing, that's fine. I just don't have enough patience to be like, okay, one, two, like I want it now. Like, if I say stop, like I, I want a statement that under, like they understand, okay. And so what we tried to do with her is we would say it once what we needed and then we would say, are you listening? And if she didn't fall in by the time that are you listening was done, then there was a consequence, always. And she's a chatterbug and I want to show the picture to you of her. We, her and I were out on a date and this is how she looked at me after we had to deal with our conflict. I was like, I don't think this date is going so well. Like, that's how, how the rest of it was. Because what happened was she was doing laps around the Wendy's. And I said, Ella, you need to come sit down. And she just kept running and said, are you listening? And her little two-year-old mind, you know, they're still figuring things out. She's like, I'm not listening. Like, just acknowledging that she was not listening and running around. Older people are standing there and sitting there, like, just kind of laughing at her. I'm like, I'll put you guys in timeout next. You don't encourage her. And, you know, went through it. Went through that, but it was one of those things I was trying to instill in her that the person that she is at home needs to be the person she is at Wendy's, needs to be the person she is at the checkout line in the grocery store, is the person she is at church in all places. And kids, they just naturally pick up on, okay, I'm, I'm in a new environment. Can I act differently? And I think we may have reinforced that in so many ways because we apply different rules to different places. And I understand some of that. But man, when it happens within the church that we say, okay, I'm going to speak this way, and I'm going to put on a mask this way when I'm at church, but when I'm everywhere else, I'm just a different person. I'm not mad at you about that, but I don't want you to fool yourself. I don't want you, you to think that this is somehow helping you to behave at church and then be a different person and speak as a different person everywhere else. 
And I know that that doesn't give you peace either. I know when you feel like you have to act differently and, you know, know, pastors around or the friends from the church around and you feel like you have to act differently, I know that that takes away from your peace. And so what I want for you is I want you to determine that, you know, the the fight for my faith, the fight for my life, the fight that I'm supposed to be in, that I'm going to look back on for eternity and I will reflect upon how I use these days for Christ. I want you to look and say, I did the best in every place that I was that I could possibly do. That I was living my faith in all of these places. And I want to tell you, one of the most important places for you to live your faith is the places where it's hard to do so. Where other people aren't living it. Because if you can't do it here, I mean, if you can't, if you can't give God an amen here as he moves in your heart, if you can't raise your hands in worship, if you can't be passionate about following Christ here, it's going to be way harder everywhere else. And this is a great starting point, but this has to be a launch pad for the fight that you're going to live your faith everywhere else. And so I want, you to, I want to bring it to your attention, because I already know that you can see it if this is where you're at in your faith walk. But I want to bring it to your attention of saying, the way that I fight for my faith, it has to be consistent across every geography. It has to be consistent across every friend group. Because the, this mission that I have, is critically important. And so the, the right place for the fight, I mean, that, that's defined Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. This is where I see it most obviously. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Colossae, and he said, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So whatever you do, so if you're gonna go to another city and you're gonna work on selling something, if that's what you're doing, then in that place that you go, You do what you're doing as a representative of Christ. If you are being educated in a high school and you go to that high school five days a week, five days a week at that high school, you need to be a representative for Christ in that place. And I recognize the pull of social pressure, but this is an opportunity that you don't want to waste. And whatever you do, do it as a representative now, now look, you're not a fighter who's a representative, but I do believe you're a re- representative who has a fight that you have to win. You, you are representing Christ here on this earth to your peer group, to your friends, to your teachers, to the administration of your school, and you need to represent Christ to them. And when we think of representatives, I think the first thing that pops to my mind is like the House of Representatives, like the Congress of our nation who are supposed to be representing the states from which they come. We're not always happy with the job that they do representing us. <laughs> and in fact, a Gallup poll from July actually said their approval rating was 18%. <laughs> Only 18% of people looked at our Congress and said they're doing what we think they should be doing. It's easy to pick on them, and maybe it's even rightful to pick on them. But if we are able to do a Gallup poll in the the kingdom of heaven, of those who stand before the glorified Christ. Those who have a better perspective of what eternity looks like because they've stepped into it. If we were able to pull them as they watch the way that we've lived our lives, I wonder what the approval rating would be for today's church. Because they can see the value, they can see the importance, they can see the impact of prayers, they can see the impact 
when we study the word of God and apply it and how it affects other people's life, they can see how when someone comes to Christ and it begins to affect their family, they can see so many things about the seeds that we plant that we can't see. And so their value of how we're living, I think, is probably higher than how we even see it. And you are a representative. And the question becomes, are you representing him well? Paul also calls the church ambassadors for Christ, making the plea on his behalf. We have this job description. We have a job description in in Scripture that to those who are far from God, we have to go and make the plea on his behalf. The way that we're living our life, the way that we're engaging with our community, it matters so much, and I'm afraid that too much of the church's reputation is only known for complaining And I have no problem with taking a stand against things that are wrong in the culture. But the motivation with which we do it is so critically important. Are we just pointing out faults or are we looking at someone's life and saying, I don't want to see you get further hurt by that sin. I don't believe that that is what is best for your soul, for your heart, and for your peace. Is the thing that's driving you to criticize other people's decisions concerned for them or just disdain for the sin itself. Because believe me, I believe sin is destructive. I believe that it tears apart families, it tears apart people's sanity, it it, it tears apart our nation. Sin is destructive. But the reason that I hate sin isn't just because of the act itself, it's because what it does to them, and I believe God has so much more. And when God saves us from sin and forgives us of our sins, it's not just heaven that we've been given, but it's a better life here on earth. And that drives the mission of sharing the good news with other people because we want to see better things for them. 2 Corinthians 5.20 is the passage that, that calls us ambassadors for Christ, but in the same chapter, in verse 11, I love the way the apostle Paul continues to describe this, this mission that we have, this fight that we're in. He says, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. I don't want you to miss the statement in there, we work hard. Hard work. Hard work should be a value to God's people. And I know so, I don't want to step too hard on toes today, but This is just truth. There is this draw to to find a place in our church that is just comfortable and relaxing. And I want our church to fill you up. Like I want it to be refreshing when you come come on Sunday, but I also want you to work hard in this church. If it's, I have to, you mean you want me to come and be part of setup team when we get to have setup team again at 7 a.m. in the morning at Island Coast? I miss that so much. I miss that hard work so much because it's so good. And it, and it, feels, it feels like, man, my, my faith is doing what it should. I'm doing hard work in the church. I'm doing hard work within the city. And, and, and it feels like this is a faith that is being lived, not just a faith that is being viewed. And as your pastor, I want to encourage you, I want to call your mind back to, am I doing hard work for the kingdom of God? Do I feel a strain? Do I feel a sweat? Do I feel like I'm in the middle of a marathon? And if you feel that way, then good, good. Because we got to be running for this. 
We only have a short time with the people around us. And the older I get, the more I, I am just faced with the temporal nature of our relationships, friend, friends, and family members. As we see people pass on, and I wish I had another chance to have a conversation with them. I wish I had another opportunity to encourage them. I wish I had another Friday night where I could have drawn them out of what they were doing to spend time with us so that I could further show them the love of Christ. We only have a short amount of time in our lives to make a difference, and I want to encourage you to work hard in your time. And we, we should live in balance. We can't burn ourselves out. But if all we're doing is sitting in the lazy boy, we're missing out on so much of the joy that God has for us because we were designed to do hard work. We were designed, designed to pour ourselves into this work that God has called us to. And so we talk about the right place but uh, uh, for the fight, that, that it's wherever we go and that, that when we're there, we should be working hard with all of our heart as though we're working for the Lord. And then the next thing about the fight that we're sh we should be in of knowing that we're in the right fight that's gonna honor God when we get to the end of our life is talking about fighting with the right person. Fighting with the right person. Because some of us, we are in ongoing fights <laughs> with the wrong one. And we, we have, have issues that come into our life because of them. And, and I wanna give you this perspective of the Apostle Paul as, as he was interacting with people. And we're just kind of keying in on some of his thoughts today th through this message. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22, the Apostle Paul is talking about the way that he interacted with just completely different people, people who were, who were Jews, people who were Greeks, people who were close to God and far from God. And he describes it this way in verse 22. He says, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. Now, Paul would try to find a personal connection, a way to, to be with them. And specifically, when he says weakness here, he was talking in the previous verses about food that was sacrificed to idols and how some of the Jews, they, they didn't have the strength of conscience to eat such food. And some of the Greeks, it didn't bother them at all. And the new Greek believers, and so he would eat meat with some and he would not eat meat with others because he didn't want to, it was a dumb thing to cause a, a quarrel over. And so he says, I'll modify my behavior so that I have the opportunity to impact people's hearts, which is a whole big thing right there. Are we willing to move out of our normal mode of operation so that we don't damage a relationship with someone else? That's a great thing right there. But, but this is how he operated with churches and people that he was trying to bring to Christ. And specifically when you get to his interaction with people on Mars Hill at the um, Areopolis, Aragopolis, I can't put words together. I preach. I don't know. Um, when he was at Mars Hill, it, it was an area that, that had different altars to different gods. And one of them was an altar to an unknown god. And the other gods that were there were pretty despicable. And the way that they were worshipped was pretty despicable. And, and the philosophers that were there that would gather, they, they were into some things that we would have disdain for. And the Apostle Paul, as he went to reason with them, he went up and he could have addressed all of the things that he hated about them right there. But it's worth note that the way that he approached the conversation was, I see that you have an altar to an unknown God. You're religious in all aspects, but let me tell you about this God that you do not know. And he used where they were. And the thing, listen, he used what they disagreed about, what he disagreed with them about. He used that as a platform to share Christ with them. 
And then on top of that, he actually quoted their poets. He said, some of your poets have even written that we're children of God. And he began to use that to unpack the fact that we are now children of God. And he could have started with the things that would have caused arguments, but he started with the common ground and then used that to bring Christ to them. And I just say that to encourage you that as you're trying to figure out, okay, I want to share with this person or I want to stop having conflict with this person. One of the things that we see exemplified in the way that the Apostle Paul ministered is he starts with things that you have in common. And he builds those towards Christ. But specifically in knowing, okay, uh, who should I be fighting with um, I think the biggest source of conflict that we have with other people is actually the internal one. And when I talk about us being in the right fight, my fight is against myself. My fight isn't against the person I've argued with. Because usually what makes those arguments really get red hot is I feel insulted, my pride has been attacked, and so now I want to attack back. Or what they do reminds me of something that God got me out of and I just can't tolerate other people being in that because God got me out of it and so I'm going to attack. And the, the fight that we have for ourselves is looking into other people's lives and seeing what's going on and saying, I care more about your future than I care about what has been in your past and even what has been in your present. We have to fight within ourselves to see people with the vision that God has for them, that scripture has for them. Otherwise, we'll find ourselves into situations like King Saul. In the Old Testament, King Saul was chosen by God to lead. He was chosen by God to be king until there came a point where God was gonna raise up another. And Saul's life began to spiral out of control. And you guys may not be as familiar with King Saul, but you're probably familiar with King David. King David was the one who killed Goliath. And it's an incredible story. A young boy comes in front of the army of Israel who is shaking in their boots. He steps before Goliath with incredible faith and drops him with a stone. And the king, who should have been fighting the fight with Saul. And the people who left these battles that David would be, was involved in, they left singing, Saul has killed thousands and David has killed tens of thousands. And you can imagine, Saul within himself, I'm the chosen one of God. And the people are celebrating him. And God is raising him up. And Saul began to lose his mind and tried to kill the person that God was raising up. If someone else is being lifted up into a position that you once held, man, I, I understand the heart pain of that. I understand how difficult that struggle could be. But I want to move your eyes from they're the problem to God, what would you have me do? Because even in the situation of Saul and David, Saul should have had the perspective of, God, if you're going to raise David up, I'm going to step to the side. I want to see David be the best king that he can be. Specifically, with John the Baptist, as we talked about uh, just a couple weeks ago, his perspective was, I must decrease and Christ must increase. 
when our pride affects the way that we treat other people, we begin to get into a fight that we don't belong in. If we trust that God is going to position us and put us where we need to be, then we don't have to struggle against other people. Our, our fight, our, our problems, as James chapter 1 verse 5 describes them, it actually says that our, our sins, our conflicts, they come from the desires that are within our own flesh and they give birth to sin and give birth to death. And so the real fight that you're in, the real problem that you have with that family member, the real problem that you have with a coworker, I want you to dial it in and it's, it's within your heart because you should be a grown-up enough to put away what they've done because of all of the things that Christ has forgiven you for. We, because we are forgiven, we should be kind and compassionate, forgiving others as Christ forgave us. And so when it comes to the fight that we've been in, I want us to recognize that we've been fighting against people that we should have been fighting for. And that people that we have conflict with, God might be raising them up. And we should be praying and asking God, how can I help? How can I encourage? How can I reach them? Because even if they are incredibly difficult, we never want to miss the mission of why Jesus came to earth in the first place. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Jesus' mission was to find the really broken, destructive, problematic people and see their lives get turned around. And so why is it that we're finding those people and just engaging in conflict with them? When we could be praying for them, loving them, encouraging them in a way that they don't deserve because we've been shown a grace that we don't deserve. So in our fights, we have to make sure that we're, we're in the fight with the right person, and that's not the other person. It's our self. It's our sinful desires. It's our pride. And then the third thing that we need to make sure there's right in the fight that we're in is that we're fighting for the right prize. We, we need to know what it is that we're trying to win. And I have found, my, found that you know competition and conflict can make people do really funny things. Competition just in itself we will go to a carnival and we will spend $20 trying to win a dollar store prize that we wouldn't even buy if we were in the dollar store. But because it's a competition, we are just going to invest a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And so when it becomes a competition of ego and pride, same thing. Normally, I wouldn't even care about this. But because it's a competition thing, I'm going to fight for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to engage and try to win and have victory over this other person. I normally wouldn't say this. I normally wouldn't act this way. But because it's become a competition of pride and ego, I'm going to go further in this than I normally would. All for the prize of what? That I hurt someone who was created in the image of God? That I made myself look better? When we know, when we know, we absolutely know I should be lifting up the name of Christ. I should be glorifying God with the way that I speak and live my life. But I get drawn to these competitions that don't matter, winning prizes that I don't really want. I won the argument, but I lost the person. So what is my prize? I don't know. So what is the prize that we're going for? What is it that we want? Well, we want to have the prize that when we stand before our Heavenly Father, He looks down at us and says, well done, good and faithful servant. We want His applause. Band, if you guys will make your way up, I'm going to begin to wrap this up, even though I have another page and a half of notes that you're going to have to work its way into next week because of time. The Apostle Paul said, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. 
He taught about working hard. It makes me think of, you know, what prize are we working for? It makes me think of the Olympics. Specifically this year, (laughs) because the Olympics are a really big deal. I mean, just billions of dollars being spent now. It might be more than billions. we, We don't know because we can't quantify what happened in 2020 because they got canceled, which is such a strange thing because people spend years, they spend their entire life preparing for the Olympics. But at the same time, if I asked you, you know, who won the U.S. high jump gold in the 1996 Summer Olympic Games, I would be very surprised if any of you could tell me. But someone dedicated their life to that. And they worked early mornings, they ate specific diets, they poured all of themselves into winning the 1996 high jump games in Atlanta, Georgia. And for a moment, it was a big deal, but now no one can even tell you who they are. They worked incredibly hard for a prize that doesn't last. Now listen to me. There is a prize in front of you that does last. We are taught to store up treasures in heaven. And the way that we live this life today and this week It matters forever. And I wish I could say that in a way that just felt more tangible, that feels like too big of a thing. Paul, you're saying what I do this week matters forever. There's just no other way to explain it. The fight that you're in right now matters so much. It matters because it changes the trajectory of your life. It changes the trajectory of the life of those around you. And there will be a time where you stand before God accountable for every idle word, every word that went out without purpose. I want you to stand before God with joy. I want you to stand before God and be able to say, I fought the good fight. I worked. I I was striving. I was sweating. I was working hard. I invested myself. And I want you to experience the joy of living that life. So church, there's a fight going on. It was easy at the beginning of the message for you guys to be like, yeah, there, there are fights going on. Are you in the right fight? Or do you just have front row seats? There's all kinds of opportunities to get engaged um, within the church context, within our city. I believe that God puts on your heart and prompts and push. And you, and you know, this is where I need to be fighting a little harder. This is where I need to be working a little bit more. (laughs) Knowing is only part. Stepping forward into what God is asking you to do, that's what matters. So church, this is the press. This is the thing that I love. This is because it, it is such a joy to experience and it's such a joy to see other people do. When you get involved in the fight that God has called you to fight, there is joy. But you have to choose to get involved. So if God is stirring up something in your heart that, that I, need to, I need to work a little harder, I need to be engaged in what's happening, we'd love to help you find a spot. If God has already placed that on, on your heart, let us know. We'll help get you there. But get out of the audience. Get into the ring. Let's fight this fight that God has called us to fight while we have time here. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you 
that you call us to hard work, that you call us to reach out towards people, that even when there's difficulty involved, you give us the strength, if we choose to take it, to not fight against them, but to fight for them. And that is our heart. That is what we want our heart to be as a church. We want to be a church that fights for our city, fights to see the best for them, and fights to help them know that you so love them that you sent your son so whoever would believe would not perish but would have eternal life because of what Jesus did on the cross. So Lord, we trust in the sacrifice you made. We trust in the resurrection and the Holy Spirit who gives us new life. Be at work in your church in Jesus' name.